Hi, good morning to all the birthday girls and boys. Loretta, this morning I want to say happy birthday. It's her birthday today. She's very shy, but let's wish her. God bless you, and may you experience his abundance. Tomorrow we have Teresa Gomez. On the 14th, David Portgitter, Jethro Keys. On the 15th, uh, Pania Musa. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And on the 17th, Johann Sneiman. And on the 18th, Amani Julius. And on the 19th of November, we have Believer's Baptism. An awesome experience if you've never, ever been baptized. You should do it. It's an experience that um, changes your life and is a public confession of your um, walk with the Lord. So that's on the 19th of November. Please speak to Didi um, if you would like to be baptized. He's going to go into the cold water that morning. <laughs> um, hospital ministry at Colbremer. That will be Thursday the 16th and the 23rd of November at 7 o'clock the evening. Then Connect Nights. I went for the first time on Wednesday evening and I so enjoyed it. So join us on a Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock at the church. Then we have our regular meetings. The youth every Friday night at 7. The ladies meeting every Wednesday at 930 and what I'd like to do this morning is give an open invitation to the whole congregation. I know it's a women's meeting, um, but there are two men coming already. That I don't know if they know it, but their wives do. Um, um, we have got a guest speaker, Joe Clarsons, who is from the Dementia Association or organization. We've invited him to come and chat to us about a topic which I think is very pertinent to everyone, dementia. Because I think all of us know somebody who might have dementia or um, there are symptoms that of dementia. So please come and join us. It's open to everyone. And I think when we have knowledge, then we can act on that knowledge. So please come. Um, and I think it's not a matter of you going from the bedroom to the kitchen and you can't remember what you were supposed to do in the kitchen. Um, that is not dementia. So come, because I think we all um, have that experience. So uh, please come and join us and uh, just get some more knowledge. Even people that are not from the church that you know that has this um, or a family, Please invite them to join us. Healing streams by appointment. Please contact the church. Um, we have so much going on at this church, really. Moms Connect, the last Saturday of the month from 14.30 to 16.30. Please contact the church for details. Um, counseling, marriage counseling, speak the to the two boffins, Jose and uh, Cheryl, or contact the church office. Our services on Sunday the 19th, Adult Service and Shine, 9 o'clock as usual. Please note that all the sermons are available on YouTube and podcast, but you can't stay in bed and watch it. 
because um, the oversight was clever enough not to let it happen on a Sunday. So you can only watch it in the week. Um, and that's it, apart from our corporate uh, prayer at 8.30 in the main auditorium every Sunday morning before the service. And Raphael? It's me. Father God, we come before you this morning with gratitude because you are a faithful God. We heard this morning that your mercies are new every morning and that you are faithful. Father, thank you for each person that was able to give this morning to the treasure house of the Lord. Father, we pray that you would bless them abundantly, those that would love to give and that were not in a position. Father, bless them. Bless the hands that they may find work. Bless them that they may be able to give, but bless them even if they can't. We pray that we, as the leadership, would be wise in how we use what comes into your storehouse. I pray that you would bless these tithes in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Veronica. Good morning, everybody. Goeiemorgen, allemaal. Are you well? Good. I, um, before we get into the word, uh, where's Connie? Will he come share? Come and share. Good morning, church. So nice to see all of you looking as smart as ever. Um, so I want to share Lizzie's testimony. Lizzie is my sister who has been living with me for many years. My sister Lizzie, I've, I've written it down because I don't want to digress and take up too much time and forget things. You know, when you're 60 odd, then you forget things. <laughs> anyway, my sister Lizzie, yes, it's not dementia. No, my sister Lizzie is 74 years old. And for the two and a half years that my mom was bedridden and the years leading up to that, she looked after my mom while I worked to sustain the home. Her heart's desire was always to join her son and grandchildren in America, but she knew that my mom needed her more. So after my mom passed on the 3rd of October 2020, and she thought she could now fly overseas, she started feeling ill, out of breath, tired and weak, and after investigation, found out that she has a very bad heart condition and had to have an emergency medical procedure to insert stents in her heart. And she was told that she was high risk for blood clots, so would not be able to fly anywhere, let alone an 11 to 12 hour flight. The arteries in her heart was very thin and the oxygenated blood was struggling to flow through. And the lining of her heart was also very damaged because she had been getting mini heart attacks for the past couple of years. And she was under the impression it was bad heartburn and indigestion and reflux. So she was taking medication for that. She only has two sons, and the oldest one is in Australia with his wife and children, and the other is in America with his wife and children. And actually, just recently, her first great-grandchild was born in Australia. So literally, literally, her children are on two opposite sides of the world. She was extremely sad and despondent and hopeless and thought she would never be able to travel to them. And in fact, her words to me was, I will probably never be able to go to my children. 
um, for years, she, um, you know, her heart was so bad that she said each night she treated as her last because she was quite sure um, she would. She wasn't sure actually that she would wake up the next morning. She would have bouts of being out of breath and feeling so weak that she found it difficult to put one foot in front of the next and would wake up during the night with wet with perspiration. For years, she went through this, going for her checkups to the cardiac department of Karl Bremer and Tigerberg Hospital and going through loads of medication, which they would chop and change each time in the hope of seeing an improvement. Whenever Tim Feeder would ask the congregation to stand if they needed healing, I would stand in proxy for her. And about six months ago, when I stood for prayers, Adian came over to me and prayed for her. And as he was praying, he stopped and said, I, I see a white piece of cloth. And it just so happened that I had a piece of white cloth in my Bible. Now, I mean, that's just God. And it was a piece of cloth that we had soaked in the Holy Spirit at one of our cell group meetings a few months prior to that. And I had cut a piece to put in on one of my children's mattresses. So I tucked the remaining piece in my Bible to sort of keep it wrapped in his word. Um, anyway, I quickly gave Adrian the cloth and he started praying over it and told me to tell her to put it on her chest and to trust and believe God's promises. When I got home, I, of course, told Lizzie what to do and, and, what, and that she just needs to have faith because God can heal her. Since then, she has been obediently keeping the cloth on her chest, even sleeping with it on her chest. Well, three weeks ago, she went for another one of her numerous checkups at Carl Bremer Cardiac Department, and the doctor gave her a clear report. And the doctor's words to her was, we're going to miss you because you don't need to come into us anymore. And she can fly to her children. The wonderful part of that piece of white cloth is that when I tucked it into my Bible, I had inadvertently tucked it into Isaiah 61. And I just want to quickly read it to you so that you can understand you know, where this, this, this piece of cloth was. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty, instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise. And that is what that piece of cloth was wrapped in. And just to put the cherry on the cake, she doesn't have any money. And she was, we were discussing, how is she now going to buy this ticket to fly? And I said to her, Lizzie, God healed your heart. He's not going to leave it hanging there. Just have faith, he's going to provide that airfare. And you know, the very next morning, she got a call to say her airfare is going to be paid. So, yeah, we give praise to God for his healing and for his grace. So, um, when I got, 
notified that uh, Connie's got a testimony. I didn't ask you to share what the testimony was. Yeah? And um, this is how the Lord works. Because that scripture you read, Isaiah 61, is sitting on this piece of paper. <laughs> so, um, you know, just before we get into it, the, the worship sins, do you know there's nothing like worship that comes from your heart? You know, we, we can sing songs, and I, I love worship, and I love the songs that people write all over the world and that, but the, the worship that God seeks for is sitting inside of you. And no one else can do the worship that you do. Because your song is linked. I didn't want to go here, but I'm going to go here now. Your song is linked to your DNA. Did you know that? Your sound within you vibrates through your very DNA. And there's not one DNA that is the same, even in this room, even in the whole world. So when God hears you in your song, not necessarily what we all sing here, you know, that's great. That, that's what we call hymns. It's just modern day hymns, you know. But the song that sits in you is designed through your DNA. And so scientists have actually proven this through what they call DNA personification, where they've taken the strands of DNA and they translated it into music notes, musical notes. And so, because I'm not a scientist, but you can just think about it, right? You take your DNA, you translate it into musical notes, and because your DNA is unique to even your wife next to you, Taraf, your sound that, is, that comes out of that whole process is very different to even your wife, your closest. So when we worship church, you know, we're going to the spontaneous, we call it spontaneous worship. We got so smart, you know, over the years. We call it all these fancy words, spontaneous. We call it prophetic. We call Basically, it's the worship that sits inside of you that no one else can emulate, can fabricate, can replicate because it's uniquely you. Oh. So I, I have this picture when I wake up in the morning that the Lord hears my sound and he says, ah, Tim, he's awake. Yeah. You know, my beloved, Margaret, my beloved, I hear you. Before you even... Before you even open your mouth, because your very DNA, no vibrations, is vibrating the sound. So that's why even David said, you know, when he spoke about the, um, the stars declares the glory of God. Because the stars are vibrating up in the, in the sky, and even their vibrations is glorifying their maker. You vibrating right now, without you even knowing, you, you don't guess it still. <laughs> Everything in creation vibrates. Everything makes a sound. Everything worships. And the beauty of worship from the believer is that we can direct it to him. And you can basically just whether, and you're right, uh, Marlon, well done. You're right. Even if you're sitting down and you position your heart to worship, your very DNA is glorifying him. And so I get excited and um, sometimes it's not easy, because you're not used to it, to just sing your song, you know? And um, some of us sing 
Us, we sound better in the shower. It's, it's, it's fine, you know. The more reverb, the better. <laughs> um, but the Lord listens, and Zephaniah says, and he delights in you. He delights in the worship from your heart. So no one can make you do that. Think about it. We, are, we don't have cheerleaders. We have worship leaders. Hey, So we can cheer each other on. Come on, you know. That doesn't mean anything. Because we can all fabricate this and throw our hands up in the sky and jump as high as you want together. And um, trust me, I've seen that. <laughs> and it's still, like the Bible says, can be a loud, clashing noise. Um, true worship comes from the heart and the spirit. And when the spirit connects with the spirit of God. And sometimes it's, it is loud. Sometimes it is quiet. Sometimes it's awkward. I've seen people worshiping and it looks awkward. But they are connecting with the Lord. And I tell you, there's nothing, nothing in this world like that. Because that's where God resides. In the praises of his people. So I thank you, Father, for your presence that is here. I thank you for your spirit that is here. I thank you, Lord, that even as we love on you, you love on us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your guidance in this word. And I pray that you may quicken our minds, but also our spirit, man, Lord, to understand your word. Father, so that we can... Get to know you better. We can love you more. In Jesus' name. Amen. God is so faithful. He is faithful. You know, he's, um, he's dealing with your sister all on the other side of the world. But he has a word for you here in Cape Town. And he links the two. So, the, the message I have this morning, I've titled um, The Spirit of God, The Holy Spirit. Because I realized in the week I was, you know, sitting and, and um, meditating and pondering on, Father, where are we at as a church and what are you doing in the hearts of people, in the lives of people? I don't know about you, but the last couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months, has been really tough, eh? A lot of changes going on, a lot of things happening in the world, and it all affects us. You know, there's something they call cause and effect. We see these things and then we, have, we feel the effect of it. Maybe even sometimes months later, you know, when the fuel goes up and when the prices of everything, and then you start to realize what happened on that side of the world has an effect on us. And, and that affects every family. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter um, how much you earn. <laughs> it doesn't matter what your status in life is. It affects you. And it affects you. It affects your family. And um, Shove and I, we, we've really just... Learned a lot through the last couple of weeks of how to trust the Lord. You know, it's easy to trust Him when everything is going well and everything is settled and everything is kind of, you know, comfortable. But I tell you, when, when things start to shake a little bit and then there's one thing when, when one thing comes, but then another thing comes and then another thing comes and then you start, you know, you start wondering, okay, Lord, um, what's going on? And, um, and as I was pondering and, and thinking about this, I thought, you know, it's, 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 the church knows a lot about their identity in Christ. Jesus, who is the Son of God, 
And the church knows a lot about the identity in Father, in Abba, you know, God who is the Father. But how many of us really know our identity in the Spirit of God? You know, so I, I grew up, I don't know, um, this might give away my age a little bit, but I grew up with my dad always switching the TV on off the church. And we'd watch this, um, it would start with this dove, you know, and then uh, there'd be this guy and he'd give a message. And we, as a family, it, was, it wasn't, uh, you know, it was obligation, you know. We had to all sit and watch this message on TV. And I think it was one of the SABCs. So I don't know, it was before TVN even existed. Today we've got God TV and what they star, I don't know, all these channels. But you remember on, on SABC on a Sunday, they would have these messages. I don't know if you remember that. Or Vasilani Bakiri. Might have been your busy days. <laughs> but we watch this and, um, and, and the, the, the whole message, most of it would be about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is where people like John Hagee, you know. Remember John Hagee? Um, I, there were a lot of these men that my dad would watch preaching about the Spirit of God and we, were, we would be sitting there, you know. We couldn't leave. In fact, you're not going to have lunch until you watch us, right? <laughs> and then I, my whole perspective or perception or understanding of the Spirit of God was based on this dove that would come. Yes, like that. Yeah. We'd come in the beginning of this thing and I would see this dove and and then, you know, and, and everywhere I went, in fact, even when I came to this church, there was a dove there at the back. I don't know if you guys remember. Yeah. Do you remember? Come on, Lydia, you know. Yeah, I, I asked Pete, in fact, one day, like, who did that? And I think it was back in the AOG days. This church was an AOG church where they did the dove thing. And, and it was an amazing scripture, Isaiah 61, right there. You remember that? And, and um, so I, had, I grew up thinking of the Spirit of God linked to this gentle dove. Now, I know in Scripture, um, you know, Jesus is baptized. We heard even that last week from Quentin. Um, if you weren't here, go and have a look at that teaching last week. It was really, really good. And Jesus is baptized, and then what happens is the Bible says, and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. You know, so we, we kind of taken the like a dove, and we've made it a dove. <laughs> oh, pigeon. <laughs> it's amazing how your perception, your perspective, how you see him will determine everything in your life, even how you relate to him. And so the reason, you know, the gospel's, display or write about the, the, the likeness of a dove descending on Jesus is because this is a, a, a link to, the, to Noah. You know, when Noah sent out the dove, and what, what did the dove have to do? Look for the resting place. There's a key. There's a link. The Spirit of God is always looking for a resting place. It cannot sit in chaos and this world is trying to bring lots of chaos. It cannot rest in chaos. It looks for a resting place. And so there's a link. But my whole, um, from my teen years into my 20s, I saw the Spirit of God as a dove. And so I tried to study the dove, you know, to understand if I understand the dove, maybe I know I understand the Spirit of God. 
But I want to ex- explore a little bit more in Scripture today and help you and me to understand that there's more to the Spirit of God than just a doubt. <laughs> and there's more to the Spirit of God than just the gifts. Because that's the other aspect that I found the charismatic evangelical church um, always jumps into is all oh, the gifts, right? The gifts. But every gift has to have a giver. And if you just stop for a little bit and you say, you know what, before I get into the gifts and before I try to understand which gifts do I get and which do I have, what if we just focused on the giver? The one who gives the gifts, the paracletus, the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, the ruach. There's far more deeper things in the Spirit of God than just receiving from him. And um, the Lord has challenged me this week with this word. Um, many operate in gifts without a relationship with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. You know, you can do that. You can even grow in that gift and you can operate. The Bible says um, your gifts come without repentance. You can operate and you can even stand and f- have videos on Facebook have videos on YouTube, and you can operate in the gift of healing, or the gifts of healing, in the gift of prophecy, and you can still not know the giver. And I said, Lord, I don't, I don't want to be that person, Father. So when Jesus got baptized, and the Spirit of God descended on him, the Bible says straight after that, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, led him into the wilderness. Now, again, I want to just challenge you a little bit that he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and he had three encounters with Satan. In context of 40 days, three encounters is not a lot. We tend to focus there because, yes, the scripture was intent, was had an intention of writing about the three encounters with Satan. Let me tell you something. What else did Jesus do with the rest of the time in the wilderness? Can I give you a clue? The clue lies in Luke when, when Luke says, and he left the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Jesus was not alone in the wilderness. He wasn't there on his own to shame our poor Jesus, you know, had nothing else to do. Look at the stones until Satan came three times to come and tempt, to tempt him, you know. No, Jesus spent time getting to know the Spirit. Some of you are shaking your heads and others are wondering, what Bible are you reading, Tim? <laughs> you know, the first sermon Jesus spoke is out of Isaiah 61. First sermon. He comes out of the wilderness and he goes straight to the synagogue. And Luke mentions this as suddenly, immediately. Everything happens so quickly because that's how the Spirit of God operates. When he changes you, everything starts to speed up. I'll leave that there. He walks out to the wilderness, goes to the synagogue, and the first thing that he preaches on is Isaiah 61. What does he say? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And that offended the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. Because what he was saying is, I am anointed, filled with the Spirit of God. In other words, 
The Spirit, when the Spirit was upon you, the Spirit was in you, the Spirit was with you, the Spirit was one with you. That's how they understood it. Jesus immediately recognized that he's no longer alone, that he has the Spirit of God who's in him, who's upon him, who's anointed him to do what he's called to do. But in order to do what you're called to do, you've got to know him. And too many times we focus on the doing and not on the knowing. I don't know about you, but it took time for me to get to know my wife. I took her out first time in my little foxy. I said to her, hey, I'd like to, um, I, had, I had a whole plan, man, you know, uh, just, <laughs> I planned this thing to the T. And I saw her in this, we were, I was teaching at a, a music school, worship school, and this lady, you know, young lady was sitting there. And I had this plan. It was, I don't know, maybe a hundred and something people, but I saw her. It's weird when, when you zoom in. And you want to know that person. It's like everybody else doesn't exist, you know. And when I'm talking, I'm only looking at her, you know. I'm looking at you. And eventually, just my plan. I went up to her afterwards and I said, do you need a ride home? Now, I knew. I did my research. (laughs) Come on, you guys do this as well. (laughs) Today, you can go to Facebook. Back then, we didn't have Facebook. You had to ask people, you know. Do you know that lady, you know, what does she do? And I found out she's um, studying at uh, Cape Tech and she lived in Riz. You know, book up, <laughs> right up there. And so I thought, oh, okay, she must need a ride back to Riz. So I went up to her and I said, do you need a ride to Riz? <laughs> so I really did my research. I knew, if she said no, then I knew, okay, there's no chance here, right? She said Yes. That shot. <laughs> so now, you know, now you pray that your car <laughs> makes it up all the way. Because I'll tell you something, and she's witness to it. That car, if you went any further up that close street, I can re- you'll back to start, you know. <laughs> um, you know, we're in the car, and, and, and I don't know how many times I took her back to the race, but then eventually I wanted to take her out, and I said to her, I want you to experience my culture, so I bought a Gatsby. <laughs> if you don't know what a Gatsby is, come and talk to Didi afterwards. <laughs> Namibian Namamas, Namas, you guys also know Gatsby. You, you learned it here in Cape Town. But I, I bought the Gatsby um, from Golden Dish, you know. If you don't know where Golden Dish is, come and talk to me. Paolo and I will take you there. <laughs> um, and so normally what you do with, when it comes to Golden Dish, right, you buy your Gatsby, put it on the, boot, the, the bonnet of your car. And that, that's Imana, yeah? This, this is how we do it. We did it, right? Open your Gatsby up on the bonnet and then you made sure that it was sliced into how many you are. Yeah, so if you're four, you slice it in four. If you're five... And that's why you try and limit how many people you take. <laughs> because although that thing is big, Andrew, the thing is about this big, eh? it can be like even, but you know, you, you make sure that you invite only the elite, you know, the less people, the bigger the slice, you know. And so I, I invite her 
for Gatsby and myself would look, I'm not going to do this on the bonnet of the car. This isn't, this is not the right way. I have to have at least some romance, you know, be some sort of fancy, you know. The, so I took the Gatsby with her and we went to Seapoint Promenade. Oh, come on. <laughs> with the seagulls, yeah. So we, we're on the promenade and I thought, you know, let me, let us hide somewhere because, you know, um, I was already working for a church and, um, just so you know, part of our rules at the church was, you know, dating and courting, you know. Like, don't date this court. And I wanted to date her. Why? I wanted to get to know her. There's a process, eh, Cheryl? Relationship counseling. There's a process to getting to know someone. You can't just jump from zero to hero. You can't just go from nothing, you know, to everything. You, you work at it. You know, and, and some of us, Oh, like layers, like, you know, donkey says in Shrek, you know. <laughs> you like layers, yeah, eh? You're like an onion, yes. And you have to take it one layer off, you know, at a time. Time, time to get to know each other. Time. And um, so I, I must share this. So I thought I'm going to be really smart and we're hiding somewhere in the promenade. And, um, and I thought, nobody, who is going to come to the promenade at night time? It was late in night. And catch us there, you know? Don't laugh, Martha. <laughs> you know what the Lord knows, eh? You can't hide anything. <laughs> and I tell you, as we're sitting there, and, and this, is, this is something that was also quite unique, um, and I'll never forget this. I watched how she took the piece of paper. So this Gatsby is wrapped in some paper, special paper that's silver. <laughs> and so at the end, you know, I don't know if you ever tried this, like she took off and just help me again, love. It was different between the two of us. One of us folded the paper into like little neatly. The other one just, you know, and then that started a conversation. You know, why did you fold the paper, you know? I'm trying to understand you now, you know? Why did you shrink it up like, you know? You should go on dates, guys. <laughs> Speak to your dad first and your mom. <laughs> okay. um, and so while we're talking, this whole group, like not even a joke, eh? there's, I don't know, there's like five, six, seven of them walk past and they're like, dumb. And the one guy was the pastor's son. <laughs> and he came over, Chauvet! Because <laughs> he also knew her. And I was like, what are the chances? There are 15,000 people in this church, Lord. <laughs> Seriously? Like, come on, man. And I tell you, um, in fact, that, that one, the who actually was the, one of the pastor's sons. He became such a good friend. He was such a good friend to us. He, he really helped us with our relationship. So that was a godsend, but I was so embarrassed, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get called into the office, and I did. <laughs> I got called in, um, and thank the Lord. It was, it was, um, I, was, I was walking with um, Glenn Robertson, who is, um, he was the music pastor, but he's like a jazz, you know, so he was really cool, and, and he said to me, Tim, don't worry. They, let the people talk. Do you like her? I said, yes. I said, 
as long as you like her and you and you're going to do this right and you keep me in the loop i got you you know and so glenn eventually um he counseled us premarital and um and we got married but i tell you we we it took us four years to get to know each other to the point of marriage because we're still getting to know each other and life is life is not linear eh? life isn't like one line straight life is like this you know and, and you and i we change as we grow you know so we we're changing and we're growing and we're getting to know and the only way you get to know somebody is spend time and i asked the question this morning how much time do you spend with the holy spirit and you can argue and say yeah but Tim, listen okay there's a trinity father the son the spirit and all three are one and there's you know but yes but each one is uniquely different and if you don't know that then you need to get to know them um so i, I want if you have your bibles uh, go to john 3 this one to five and i was watching a little clip on this one on the chosen i don't know if you ever watched the chosen but in in season one um there is a clip based on john 3 verse one obviously the whole gospel is in there but um nicodemus comes to jesus and there's a couple of things about nicodemus that you got to understand nicodemus was a teacher of the law what they would call a sanhedrin in fact he wasn't just a teacher you know they had different rankings he was part of the council they had a judicial council they would judge what goes out about the law in order to be a sanhedrin you would have to study and you've had to study from the age from a young age because you need to know the torah not just in reciting the torah you need to understand each and every word in the torah um in order to judge the torah so somebody comes up with teaching and they you know and which was normal in jesus days they would have rabbis and teachers popping up everywhere the sanhedrin's job would be to judge so they'd come and they'd listen and then they'd discuss is that in line with the torah is the interpretation correct and they were basically the judges of the um judaism uh, judaism uh, law and the um the rituals and all the things that they had the practices and so nicodemus not only was he a jewish ruler um part of the council but you must also understand that nicodemus was also a wealthy man not every sanhedrin was necessarily wealthy some of them would work during the day and then at night they would operate in the um do the duties and so one would have thought that maybe nicodemus might have been a worker during the day and therefore he came to jesus only at night but there are three occasions nicodemus is mentioned in one gospel the gospel of john which i think is also quite unique no other gospel mentions nicodemus for some reason john took note of this guy and john might have been at the meeting 
which we're going to read now when Nicodemus met with Jesus at night. But the second time Nicodemus is mentioned, he's mentioned with the council when Jesus is about to be tried. And in fact, in that moment, they call him the defender of Christ. Because it was Nicodemus that convinced them that this man should be tried properly like every other. They just wanted to kill Jesus without trial. And then the third time Nicodemus is mentioned was at the burial of Christ. And in fact, he's one of the sponsors. He sponsored the myrrh and the ointment to, in order to um, embalm the body of Christ. And um, which means that Nicodemus had to be wealthy. Because in order to afford myrrh, you'd have had to have money. And this man very secretively did many things. And you wonder, who is this guy? The other thing about Nicodemus is that he was an elderly man. You know, and in the Jewish tradition, if you, the elderly you are, the more older you are, the more wise you are. And you can actually hear wisdom in him. In fact, he was quite a devoted um, Jew. Devoted to the Torah, devoted to Yahweh. And so, John 3, 1 to 5, if you... Got your Bibles, let's read with me. It says there, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Now, what did he mean? Because we know that most of the Pharisees, they wanted to persecute Jesus immediately. Nicodemus somehow saw beyond others. For some reason, there was something in Nicodemus that recognized that this guy had to be from God. Out of all the other teachers that they had in that, in that time that were walking around as rabbis, the, he recognized someone, this guy, had to be from God. And he says, here's the key, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. See, the effect of the Spirit. The effect of the Spirit should confirm things about the person of the Spirit in you. The effect of the Spirit should confirm that you know who this person, Holy Spirit, is. The effect of the Spirit. And, and here's the danger is that, and you're going to see how Jesus helps him, is that most people look for the effect, the visible and they say, because you are healing the sick, because you are prophesying and you're accurate, because therefore God must be with you. That's a mistake. Because the outward cannot determine the inward. Oh. So what are we saying? Man, you've got to look at the inward and you're going to see how Jesus answers him. You see, Nicodemus was looking at the outward and he was looking at the supernatural outworking of the Spirit. And he based his conclusion on that, even though he wasn't wrong. But Jesus had to help him. Because had, had Jesus not, not challenged that, he would have gone and taught that. Think about it. This is an influential man. And he would have been teaching and teaching and training people to look at the outward. Continue to look at the outward. Jesus challenges him by talking about the inward. And this is how Jesus replies. Verse 3, Jesus says, 
Verily, truly, I tell you, I love that, verily, truly, <laughs> very true, you know. I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Let me explain to you the word born again in the Jewish tradition, Jewish eye. They were used to this word because when Gentiles became Jews, they would take them through a process of baptism. And it was the baptism of water. Remember when John the Baptist was baptizing, he wasn't the only one baptizing. There were others baptizing. That's what it, was, it wasn't uncommon. And they would baptize any Gentile that wants to convert to Jew. And so they would go through what they call a purification, a letting go, letting go of the Gentile ways to take on the Jewish way. The Gentile way, the pagan way to take on the Jewish way. Jesus says, I am the way. We sang it this morning. I am the way. Do you know what that meant? That's why the Pharisees could not handle it. Because what he was saying is, in order for you to take on my way, I am the way, you would have to be purified from all other ways, even the Jewish way. That was offensive. That's why they said, blasphemy, crucify him. And so for Nicodemus to hear that you have to be born again wasn't unusual. But what he couldn't understand was that why would Jesus say to him, a Jew, someone who's already purified through ethnicity, you with me? And through religious acts. What is the difference in most churches today? I don't know. Sometimes, and I was there, we think that going to church, if I just go to church, right, then I'm good. I have a relationship with the Lord. Uh, if I'm born into a Christian home, can I link some links for you? Thank you, Bernie. Can I do some links? I, I grew up uh, in a Catholic school, my whole high school. If, I just, if I'm born into a Christian home, I've heard it. I'm born. No, no, I'm Catholic. I'm born. So what do we do? We take the little baby, born into the Christian home. We baptize them. And we say, you're saved. Drink a little water. You're saved. There was no difference here. Your ethnicity, your religious acts can never save you. And, and I tell you, even today, I have to check myself. Eh? Am I doing this because it uh, looks good? Am I doing this? No. Am I doing this because I have a relationship with Jesus, the Spirit of God, and with the Father? It's all about relationship. And so Jesus saying to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He cannot understand. So how does he respond? How? Can someone, listen to what he says, how can someone be born when they are old? Why could he not understand it in the spirit? Why? Because he's in his mind, I'm a Jew, I've, I don't need purification, I don't need to be born again in water. So you must be talking about the flesh. You must be expecting me to go back into my mother's womb. And I mean, this is a ridiculous comment, think about it, because this is how ridiculous Jesus sounds to him. So, uh, so what are you saying? He says, I'm old. How can I expect, you know, surely, he says, they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. 
And then Jesus, and I love this because Jesus takes it from the visible into the invisible. From the seen into the unseen because the Spirit of God will always work from the inward out. And he says to him, verily, there they go again, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. And so now Nicodemus is totally flabbergasted. Now he's confused. He can't understand this. Because as a Jew, this would not make sense unless the Spirit of God reveals it. That's what Paul says. Unless the Spirit of God reveals to us, in our natural, we will never understand. Because the things of the Spirit needs to be birthed in the Spirit. So listen to Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh, the visible. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit, the invisible. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So again, Jesus goes back to his ethnicity. Because you know that every Gentile had to be baptized. He says, but the wind blows wherever it pleases. I love this. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You see, the, the, the academic mind, the, intellect, the intellectual mind, will always want to know from what we see. It's called rational thinking. It has to make sense from a perspective of seeing. I want to see that one plus one equals two. Show me. So what do our teachers do? You, know, you remember that little balls on the, what do they call that thing? You know what it is. <laughs> abacus. Okay, there we go. So what do the teacher do, right? They take your little abacus <laughs> and they say, okay, look, 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 look. One ball. One, two. One plus one <laughs> equals. In the old class, shouts, two. Yeah, we, and we celebrate that. Hey, we talk about conditioning the mind. Eh? We celebrate. Hey, if you can see it, you can believe it. The whole world is based on seeing and believing. Right now, you, you just have to put on the TV. Whatever you see, you want to believe. Until we get told it's fake news. Now, the mind is thrown into chaos. Think about it, right? Now you're in chaos because all your life you've been taught that what you see, you believe. It has to be seen in order to be believed. So when fake news came out and they said, oh, there's a lot of fake, AI is bringing another dimension to the fake thing. I mean, I've seen some videos now and I'm like, wow, that looks real. And you Google, Elon Musk is not giving away money to South Africans. <laughs> it, you know, watch YouTube, no? <laughs> okay. right? Elon Musk is not. Hey, you must Google that. Please don't get fooled. He's definitely not, right? Okay. I don't think he even knows where South Africa is at the moment. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> okay. So AI brings another dimension because now the fake goes deeper. What you see is what you believe. Jesus comes and he says, whoa, it's not what you see. Huh. Okay, Lord, now you're really like, you're just confusing me. Because faith 
comes by hearing. Hearing is knowing. You can you 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 can't have faith if you want to see it all. Got to have faith even when you don't see it. And I tell you, this has been the battle even this year for me. Because I would love to just see it, Lord. Show me. You know, show me the puppies. Show me the money. (laughs) Show me the breakthrough. Show me the miracle. Show me, Lord. Show me, Lord. And it's like, the Lord is like, whoa. It's far deeper than me showing you. You got to know me. Because when you know him and you trust him because you know him, not because he's shown you, that's far deeper. That's far more real. I know my wife. You know, some marriages, they, they struggle because um, you want to hear that I love you all the time. And I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes the I love you doesn't come out easily. You don't just like, you know, wake up, I love you. Sometimes there's a... Mm. I suckle, you know, <laughs> and the men are all hiding their faces, and the women are like, yeah, we know, but he's laughing here. Because, because let me tell you something. If I didn't know that woman, and she didn't know me, then we were basing our marriage on how many times you say I love you, and how many times you show me, you know. I'm not saying that you shouldn't show, but I'm just telling you, you can't base your fundamentals on what you see. You're going to be very disappointed. Marlon, this is a good tip. Write it down. <laughs> Free ma- premarital course here right here. <laughs> so what is our, our love based on? Our love based on is, is, uh, our love is based on far deeper than what we see. It's what I know. I know she loves me. She knows I love her. Doesn't excuse that I mustn't be romantic, which I work hard at. Amen, men. <laughs> Jose, you taught me a lot. The hell on the romance side. <laughs> I, I, I salute you, man. You know, it doesn't excuse, but I tell you, this marriage would never work if our love was based on what we see. Say again. If our faith is based on what we see, what we see will own us. That's, that's quite deep, fellow. It's good. So what do you know? And who do you know? If Jesus refers to baptism. We're going to be doing baptism next week. And the water baptism is really key. He says both. Why? Because water baptism is the declaration. Listen, it's, it's the declaration of what's happening inside. It's the outward declaration that I have accepted that I'm no longer living that way, but I'm living Jesus' way. And so, um, water baptism, if you haven't signed up, you've got to do that, to declare that, that you're a new creation, following Jesus' way. But the Spirit, he says, but also the baptism of the Spirit. And what is the baptism of the Spirit? The Spirit births Spirit. It's the regeneration it's the fact that Tim Feeder is no longer Tim Feeder. He is now a cre- cre- new creation in Christ. He has been reborn into the spirit of God as a child of God. And then into the family of God, as we heard last week. And so the, both are important. And the spirit, 
the spirit regenerating you, the spirit making you new is a continuous. Hear this? It's not a once-off event. It's a continuous process of events. Because you don't just change overnight. We don't. Yeah, it would be great. You can just kind of like program your wife. <laughs> I know it's gone quiet now. Program. Have you ever watched that movie Click? Yeah. Just like program. No, no, no. Because we're not robots, right? It's a process. And the Spirit of God is in you. And He's continuously at work in you, if you allow Him to, to bring change within you. And that process is called sanctification. The process of becoming more and more like Christ. It's not a once-off event. And it's an inward process. Doesn't matter how much you pray. Doesn't matter how much you um, speak in tongues. Doesn't matter how much you operate in gifts. Everyone will continually go through a process of sanctification while you're on the side of eternity. Now, I have this thought. You know, whenever God intervenes and he comes into your life and he meets you, the eternal God comes into your temporary. And then he does an eternal work in, in your temporary world. That is a phenomenal thing. That's why sometimes all these things that God does doesn't make sense. You're like, whoa, Lord. Because why? He's eternal. He's outside of time. He sees the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha Omega. He sees where that's leading. He sees where this is going. And then he comes in and, and he comes. He will. God is faithful. Hey, Connie, he'll never, never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know what that even means? Sorry, man. Can I go there quickly? Uh, Loretta, this is, this is part of your message this afternoon. Eh? I just, this is what I was pondering on. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never leave. I thought of, bear with me. Have you ever watched Martin? Martin! Giving away my age now again. Martin! Now there was a, a guy called Brahman. <laughs> no, okay. I'm going to help you. Brahman would jump through the window on Martin. <laughs> and Brahman would go to the kitchen. And he, he was like a real sloppy guy, you know? Real... African-American guy and you go to the kitchen and you just like start making him food. It's like almost like Joey in, in Friends, but just nobody knows who Brahman is. <laughs> you just climb through the window and he makes him food and he sits there and then Martin would come in and he's like, who are you? And he's like, Brahman. <laughs> like he's supposed to know who he is. How did you? And, and every now and then, you know, like every couple of episodes, Brahman would just show up jump through the window, make him food, and he just sit there. Sometimes he sit there while they're having a conversation, they don't realize he's there, and then all of a sudden he'll say something. Like, huh? So bear with me. So I had this thought this week, I will never leave you. Is That's how much he loves you. That he would actually intrude into your life, and he'll sit there like Brahman. <laughs> Listen, you know how deep this is? You think God is far from you. You think every time you mess up, he's running. He's sitting there. You don't even know he's there. He's sitting right there and he's probably having Gatsby. <laughs> and he's looking at you. It's like, come on, man. This is not who you are. It sounds a bit silly, but it's true. 
I will never leave you. Do you know when Jesus said that, Loretta? It was when he was about to leave. <laughs> the disciples were standing there. And it's almost like, the, you know that moment? And take away, like, so bear with me. Because my wife is worse than me. She, she's in cartoons. I hear music. There's music in the background. There's this angels. Oh, and Jesus is about to leave. Take the next cloud home. <laughs> <laughs> and he's about to go, and the, and the disciples all, and, like, and he said, I will, if he first gives them the command, right? go and make disciples of all nations. And then he says, yeah, I will never leave you. I will be with you till the end. Right? And then they're like, but, but where are you going? <laughs> I, I, will, I will never leave you. Where are you? Where are you going? Why did Jesus say that? Because Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit came. And you know when he came? Now you're going to be shocked. So everybody's waiting, you know. Ah, Acts 2. Yeah, there has to be Acts 2 term. Pentecost. You know, that's the day the Holy Spirit came. Hey, but our man has been sitting there all the time. <laughs> He's been sitting there. Look, John 14. No. Let me go. Sorry, guys. I'm going to get my notes now in order. John 20. Can you give me John 20 verse 21 quickly? Look at this. This is Jesus resurrected. And he's come to his disciples. And you remember they're all together and he walks through the wall. You know, and Thomas is there. Doubting Thomas. He wants to feel. And it's this whole scene going on. And what does Jesus do? It says, and again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he says, verse 22, and with that, he breathed on them. And said, receive who? The Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus breathe? Can you put up Genesis 2, verse 7? It says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. And what did he do? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. When Jesus breathed on the disciples, the Spirit of God came on in them, on them, in them, whatever you, and regenerated them. That they became the new creation at that point. And here we are thinking, oh, we got to wait, wait, wait for the Spirit of God. Wait in the upper room, wait. No, God is breathing all over you. He's breathing all over your life. He's breathing on every situation you're in right now. He's breathing, he's breathing, and he's saying, the Ruach, come on. If you just know, Brahman is sitting right there. <laughs> and what do we do? We run everywhere, but we don't run to the Spirit of God. We run everywhere, and we say, help them, help Angus, help Didi, help, help. And the Spirit of God is sitting right there in your situation. And he's saying, if you just know, I'm never going to leave you. I am right here. He's right there. He's never left. And the word forsaken, you know what a forsaken is? It's when a friend forsakes you at the biggest Time of need in your life. Have you ever had that? You know what the Lord was saying? Is that the Spirit of God is like a friend that will never turn his back on you. 
There can be near, there can't be anything that you can even try to do that you will turn away. There was one time in eternity that the father turned and Jesus stood there on your behalf. And we heard, I mean, we had Dabia and we heard even that act was, was an act of love. Eh? It wasn't even an act of judgment. It was an act of love. And here the Holy Spirit is. And uh, I'm going to honor land with some ministry because this is so important, guys. The Holy Spirit is there. To teach us, to guide us, to comfort us, to even intercede for you. Let me give you the one scripture for the intercession part. Romans 8 verse 26. Can we quickly get that up? In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself, the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. A lot of people have taken that, and I understand why. And they talk about praying in the Spirit, yes. But listen, it's way deeper than that. The Spirit of God is praying for you. When you think you're on your own, when you think, man, all the world is crumbling around me from one storm to the next, whatever is happening in my life, the Spirit of God is right there, and He's interceding for you. That is so beautiful. You know, and, and then I ask the Lord, is there anyone praying for me, Lord? Hey, in our human, right? Because why? Because we want to see it. We just want to see it, man. Like if you tell me you're praying, no, just show me you're praying. Maybe send me a video. <laughs> you say three in the morning, I want to see that time clock. Three in the morning, right? <laughs> And I know, I'm not, I'm not knocking, I'm, it's important community, we need it. Eh? We need to pray for each other. But listen, there's something far greater happening than what you can think of. Don't get depressed when nobody's praying for you. <laughs> Don't get depressed, eh? Because the Spirit of God is interceding. And when He intercedes, I think it's a lot more powerful. <laughs> and then He counsels. And I'm, I'm going to give you two more, uh, three more. Actually, two. He counsels. It's amazing, in Acts 8 verse 29, the Spirit of God speaks to Philip and he says, go to that chariot and stay near it. Simple word. And, and one could read it very quickly and miss it. The Spirit of God will counsel you. In other words, he will talk to you. If you learn how to hear his voice. I said to someone in the week, the Lord is never reactional because he's never caught by surprise. Eh? God always responds. One way to know the word of the Lord or the voice of God, the spirit of God, is that he'll never come to you anxious. Gotta pray, gotta pray, come on. Gotta pray, gotta pray, gotta pray. Come on, let's pray. Come on, come on, gotta pray. No. Is that the Lord? Why are you anxious? Why is God, will God ever be anxious? The spirit of God will come. And he said, Tim, it will be good for you to pray. Yes, Lord. Uh, when? <laughs> well, I'm going to give you three choices. Um, I'm not joking. This is how the Lord speaks to me. <laughs> you can pray in the morning at 3 a.m. It's one choice. 
when you wake up, you can go to your studio, you can go pray. Or you can take your time and come to me during lunch or, you know, before lunch. I've, I've honestly come to understand how he talks. I'm not saying, you know, there are times like my wife would be woken up and she knows I've got to pray. But even then it's not anxious prayer. He's never caught by surprise. Do you know the voice of God? Do you know the spirit of God? Do you know what he sounds like? Um, and I'm, I'm taking some time here because it's far more important this part than knowing the gifts. The gifts come out of this relationship. Next week we're going to hear about gifts. And go for it, Angus. Just blast the place. It's open for Jesus, you know. But this week, if you haven't done this, I want to encourage you. Spend time with the Spirit of God. So I'm, I'm, I'm currently um, going through some things to help me. <laughs> because I, I can be very busy. A lot of men will probably agree. You understand what I mean when I say busy? You know, you're looking after your family. You know, you're putting food on the table. You're making sure that things are sorted. And all these busyness, responsibilities is a better word, is not bad. Because otherwise God would have just taken it all away from you. But it's how we live within the responsibilities we carry to be able to take time and to sit with the Lord. And to sit with the Spirit of God and say, speak to me. Teach me. If you don't know how he talks, ask him. Teach me your voice. Many years ago, I was sitting, trying to make a decision for my life. I took a gap year. Um, and I was at the Rockland Center, Scripture Union, as a campsite at Simonstown. And I'll never forget because I was making a choice, you know, Lord, do I study finances? Do I go into ministry? What do I do? Music was just on the horizon and all these things. And I'm sitting and they had what they called a quiet time. But it was like a extended quiet time from nine in the morning to one lunchtime. You weren't allowed to speak to anybody. You weren't allowed to engage. You just go and you find your spot. And obviously... The further you're away from people, the easier, right? So I took a spot out on the, the rocks, which I called the Rocklands, <laughs> up in the mountain on the rock. And I sat there, and the first five minutes was hell. 20 minutes was another hell. You know, when you're not used to this, eh? You're f- sitting from nine to one is no joke. In solitude, no devices, no phone. All you have is your Bible, maybe a notebook. And you're sitting in nature. And um, you know, it was tough until eventually you just, you decompress. Like you, like you never ever experienced before unless you're used to this. Um, the next moment uh, I experienced that was when I went to Guero um, to visit Chavez's parents, to meet them. And there was nothing to do, Andrew. I know you grew up in Guero. Absolutely nothing to do. That, it was, man, it's difficult for a city boy, you know, like. 
And I didn't know what to do. And eventually, after day one, day two, you, you decompress. So that morning, I'm sitting on the rocks and I'm, I'm praying about, and I'm saying, Lord, what did I do? I was accepted at UCT, but I have a passion and a heart for um, ministry. And I'm 19 years old, finished school at 18, yeah. So I'm sitting there, and um, I'll never forget, a little bird came and just, you know, right in front of me, landed right there. And the first time I saw the bird, I thought, oh, it's a bird. Sandy, I think you will understand what I mean by this. We had our conversation. I looked at the bird, and then all of a sudden I was like, what are the chances of a bird in nature? You know, it's one thing going to the restaurant, and then those little weavers, what they call it, the little birds fly to eat. The, they become so accustomed to people. I said, Moses, yeah. But in nature, and I'm sitting there, and this bird is like staring at me. And then I said, Lord, is this how you want to grab my attention? <laughs> and so I focused on the bird and I said, Lord, what are you saying to me through this bird? And then he spoke. And you know the word came to me? Very simple. It was the word that Jesus said that you should not worry about tomorrow. That even the birds, they're not worried where the food will come. And right there, because I had lots of concerns about my family, and I felt the weight of it. I have to change things for my family. The Lord said to me, Tim, I've got this. And when I let that go, it was so much easier to then know what God was saying. So I want to pray, and I believe this week, that the Lord would want you to separate yourself. Find time. You know, even in the busy schedule, maybe it's just, you know, taking a drive somewhere, park. Just, just find the time and ask him to teach you to hear his voice and know his voice. So, Father, I pray. Lord, I pray that we may not only hear your voice, but know your voice. I pray, Father, that even as Jesus could, under, could know the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that we may know you. That we may know you so intimately that you, we may always turn to you first. So take one mo moment quickly and just make a date with Jesus. Maybe it's just, you know, just saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to make some time for you in the morning or I'm going to make some time in my day. It's something I'm learning. It's make that appointment as though you're making any other appointment. You know, particularly the ones that you never drop. <laughs> and to say, okay, I'm going to make this appointment with you, Lord. And I, I know uh, that the Holy Spirit will, will just remind you. He's, he's, he's actually a great reminder. You know, I've got a 15-minute reminder on my phone. Um, Holy Spirit will remind you.
and then make one decision. I encourage you. Just decide, when I meet with you, Lord, I'm not going to come with all my stuff. Because I actually just want to get to know you. So it's like, you know, um, and I'm, I'm the guilty party here, but my wife and I, when we try to do something, um, then we have rules. And we say, don't, no church talk. You know, no, talk about, no talking about this. And I almost make the same thing. It's like, okay, Lord, I, I, I'm not going to come with my list. I'm just going to come to get to know you. And so I thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, I thank you. That this week will be a week where we can just encounter you in levels we've never encountered before. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So church, um, we're going to close the service there, but maybe you, maybe you need some prayer. Maybe you need some ministry. Please feel free to come. Um, it will be easier for us if you just come to the front. We'll, we'll, we'll pray for you. But I want to encourage you. Let the peace of God, you know, Brahman, <laughs> let him just be there. Allow him to be there. Acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is there. Um, and let's come back next week. In fact, um, on Wednesday, we've got our Connect Nights. If you, if you haven't experienced it, we've got, I think, there's two or, two or three more weeks left. You want to try and make it at least once before the year ends because it, it really is good. And then um, that's on Wednesday evening. And then next week, we'll meet again on Sunday, uh, 9 a.m., 8.34, pray, 9 a.m. for service. The Lord be with you. Bless you.